0: New developments in the Surrey hospital crisis.
1: I do believe we're at a crux and at a point in the health system. We need to make
0: transformative changes. What senior leadership is doing to ease understaffing and it's advice to the public. Youth recruits sucked into the gang life with vape sales.
1: It's not just isolated to the lower mainland.
0: The warning for parents and what young people should watch out for and the launch of the granville street planning project
2: i don't think it's an exaggeration to say that bold action is required
0: how you can help bring the entertainment district back to its former glory you're watching global bc this is global news hour at six good evening and thanks for joining us we'll get to those stories in just a moment but first we want to start with some breaking news that involves a major police presence in the downtown east side. Take a look. Details are still coming in, but this is what we know. Police have been called out to an incident at Hastings and Columbia Streets. Officers have blocked off Hastings Street between Main and Carroll. So far, there's no word on exactly what has transpired down there and whether or not anyone has been hurt. We do have calls into Vancouver Police for more information And we'll bring you the latest details as they become available. But right now, major closure on Hastings on the downtown east side. Okay, right now, despite two days of meetings and face-to-face talks, doctors say don't expect any immediate solutions to the crisis, putting patients at risk at Surrey Memorial Hospital. As Kamal Kuramali reports, doctors say there are still no concrete steps to reduce wait times and they are demanding
3: action. Two days of meetings about the crisis at Surrey Memorial Hospital are over.
1: Disappointment, frustration, uh, disillusionment maybe.
3: A special health summit Tuesday, followed by closed-door meetings between the health minister and doctors from various fields.
1: The morale has kind of gone
3: down. Dr. Claudine Stornis Bliss, one of 36 medical professionals at the hospital, raising a multitude of resource issues at the birthing unit. The hospital's ER physicians have also spoken out. Now, after the meetings with healthcare leaders, they've put together a list of problems and solutions, but so far, no action.
1: There was no commitment to invest in capital for redevelopment for Surrey in general and particularly the family birthing unit. I plan on working a long career and after yesterday I don't see it happening in my lifetime.
3: But the head of Fraser Health had a different take. She says the meetings have been a success.
1: There has already been a huge list of activities underway, expanding internal medicine beds in Surrey, expanding um, uh, reassessment codes for emergency
3: departments. In an internal memo to staff obtained by Global News, Dr. Lee says yet amidst the tumultuous sea of news reports, it is hard not to feel a pang of disheartenment. Personal commitments are called into question and individuals face baseless attacks and threats. Sometimes there's
1: attack on individuals on the Ground that we were hearing about inside the system and also about how it feels like sometimes internally there's conflicts and that can be really hurtful.
3: Health Minister Adrian Dix declining Global News's request for an interview Thursday, but has said in the past that hiring hospitalists is held up because of contract negotiations. And despite two days of requests, Fraser Health's board chair, Jim Sinclair, has not been made available to Global News for an interview.
1: The needle is moving a bit, just not nearly fast enough.
3: Doctors say unless progress is made, patients and their loved ones will have to be prepared not only to advocate for better care, but become caretakers in the hospital. Kamel Karamali, Global News. Today,
0: B.C.'s minimum wage bumped up to become one of the highest in the country. The move is being welcomed by the province's lowest wage earners, But as Janet Brown reports, businesses say at least some of that cost will have to be passed on to consumers.
4: The minimum wage going up $1.10 an hour will even be impacting golfers here at Morgan Creek in South Surrey.
5: We try to manage our business and keep our customers happy, but we are raising prices. 20 more minutes? Yeah.
4: He says every part of the golf course, green fees and restaurant prices will be impacted.
5: Probably about a third of our uh, wages, maybe a little bit more, are based on minimum wage. Um, College students, people putting themselves through school. Uh, And so it's affecting our payroll in a a dramatic way.
4: The Surrey Board of Trade says the wage boost could push some businesses over the edge. They're working on very thin profit margins. They're gonna have to take a look at their whole business model if they aren't already. Over the last five years, the minimum wage has gone up nearly three dollars an hour from 1385 in 2019 to now sixteen seventy-five.
6: I think it's great because rent's increasing, everything's increasing. People need to pay bills. We need to live.
1: As I'm a student, it's so difficult to me to pay my rents, my grocery in minimum wage. It's gonna be
5: hard for small businesses, but for the Lower-end workers, I mean, it's going to be a real help to them.
4: The BC Federation of Labour says increasing the minimum wage ensures lower-income earners don't fall behind. We know that when BC's lowest-paid workers get a raise, it helps everyone. That money goes back into community. uh, It goes back into the grocery stores and into the corner stores and the mom-and-pop shops all over the community back at the golf course they say there is a limit to how high they can increase
5: prices there's a tipping point coming and uh, so we're concerned about that which is why we're we're not passing all the costs to the consumer we're trying to keep people happy you got about 20 people to come in yeah
4: for now it is busy on the links but the question is for how long Janet Brown Global News
0: A warning tonight for young people and parents. Gangs are trying to recruit high school students to work for them. Kylie Stanton has more on the tactics that get teens sucked into a life of crime.
7: There's just one month to go before school lets out for the summer, but parents are anything but relaxed after being notified of some disturbing activity taking place in Greater Victoria schools.
8: There's different levels of gangs, and these, the types of gangs that we're seeing here do significant crime. They have motives, they have agendas, and the harm that's created is significant.
7: On Wednesday, a letter was sent out to all families in the Greater Victoria School District to make parents aware of the issue, saying youth are, quote, engaging in activities that may lead to potential gang involvement.
4: It can be as simple as uh, someone selling something, be it a vape or high-end clothing, uh, for somebody else. And what happens then is this person then becomes indebted to someone that's a higher, higher up or engaged in the gang lifestyle.
0: All these devices here, these
6: are all individual vapes.
7: This bust back in March where police seized $100,000 in vaping products being sold in local schools is evidence of the activity. That work, however, may now be in jeopardy. Just one day after sending out the letter, the Greater Victoria School Board voted unanimously to scrap the school police liaison officer program
9: the board did determine that the SPLO program doesn't meet the needs of our students at this point. So, you know, purely coincidental that um, a letter providing some information for parents went out um, the day before the scheduled board um, meeting to make the decision about the program.
7: The board says it fully acknowledges the role police play in terms of school lockdown drills, critical incidents and emergencies. But when it comes to gang recruitment...
9: Police will continue to play that role and to feedback information that's relevant to student safety and and that won't change.
8: What this decision does is revert this from a proactive approach to a reactive approach.
9: And it takes effect
7: immediately, meaning there will be only one month to assess the impact on students at risk of recruitment and the problem as a whole. Kali Stanton, Global News.
0: Charges have now been laid in connection with a shooting in New Westminster almost two months ago. Around noon, April 18th, a man opened fire on a group of people in the 700 block of Carnarvon Street. One man was hurt. Two suspects were arrested at Royal Columbian Hospital. 55-year-old James Christopher Cheeseman is now accused of pointing a prohibited firearm that had its serial number altered. Investigators believe the shooting was targeted but not connected to the B.C. gang conflict. A bus driver who drove drunk from Whistler all the way to West Vancouver last summer has been fined and banned from driving for a year. As Catherine Urquhart reports, the judge had some harsh words for the man who endangered passengers' lives but took into account his effort to rehabilitate himself.
10: Outside North Vancouver Provincial Court, 66-year-old Craig Randall arrives for his court date on drunk driving charges. In August of last year he was driving an Epic Rides bus from Whistler when one of the passengers called 911 saying Randall was driving erratically. West Vancouver police pulled him over on the highway near the 15th street exit. It's a very serious incident and we commend the one passenger who did decide to call the police because things could have gone sideways and uh, you know there are lots of people who travel along these highways and the fact that the bus got from Whistler all the way into West Vancouver is very concerning. In court, it was revealed that Randall's blood alcohol level had been more than double the legal limit. And at the time of his arrest, he struggled to even stand up. Randall pleaded guilty to one count of driving over the legal limit. The judge called the circumstances very aggravating, noting there were 36 passengers on board. But he accepted that the accused was remorseful and that he had sought extensive help for his alcohol problem. Craig Randall was sentenced to a $1,000 fine and a one-year driving suspension. The North Delta resident says he hopes to drive again once his suspension is over. He resigned from his bus driving job the day after his arrest. Catherine Urquhart, Global News.
0: The battle between the city of Surrey and the provincial government over policing in the city is intensifying. As Richard Zussman reports, a letter from the province's public safety minister to Surrey Council takes it to a whole new level.
11: It's another turn in the long-drawn-out saga about the future of policing in Surrey.
0: Everybody wants uh, this issue resolved. The people of Surrey certainly want it resolved.
11: Solicitor General Mike Farnworth sending this letter Thursday to Mayor Brenda Locke and Surrey Council. I'm gravely concerned the council may proceed without considering all relevant information available, reads the letter. Just over half of the city council has signed and provided the confidentiality agreement to the province. Surrey's mayor, not impressed. You know, he could call. He has not called me since this has happened. And while the province would like Surrey to move forward with the Surrey Police Service, it's ultimately the city's decision. Locke and a majority of council have dug in keeping the RCMP. I will not be intimidated or bullied by uh, a solicitor general that wants us to jump to his timeline. One of the mayor's political opponents, Linda Annis has signed the NDA.
12: The mayor is indicating that each and every month that we delay, it's costing the taxpayers of Surrey $8 million. Uh, She said that numerous times, and I think we need to get on and make a decision.
11: For now, the province won't impose a deadline on Surrey, but there is an acknowledgement there is urgency here.
0: And if they don't do that, then obviously um, I would have to take that into consideration as to what uh, potential next steps might be.
11: If Surrey does not capitulate and, and and accept his offer, then he has to make the decision himself and then impose it on him. The province also doubling down on financial support. I am also formally confirming that the provincial government is prepared to provide up to $150 million to the city to assist in completing the transition to the Surrey Police Service. But there will be no money for continuing on with the RCMP. We do not need... Uh, to change the police departments we do need 150 million dollars though for schools i can tell you for sure we need 150 million dollars to go into our health care system the signs of a mayor letter or no letter not willing to back down Rich is also husband global news victoria
0: vancouver city council is hoping to make iconic granville street a desirable downtown destination once again the entertainment district has been in decline for years now, but now the city wants to bring it back to life and it's seeking the public's input. Julie Nolan is joining us now with more on how they hope to make it a vibrant place once again, Julie, while preserving some of that unique character.
1: Yeah, Chris, the Granville District has seen better days. Now, it used to be the safe and energetic stretch of the downtown core. And now the city of Vancouver wants your input and in how to bring that back in the coming years. It's part of a public engagement campaign from various stakeholders, and specifically, the city wants to figure out how to preserve those unique characteristics of the district while figuring out new opportunities for things like entertainment, retail, and tourism. By cleaning up the area, the hope is that the city can leave behind some of its gritty past and build a solid future.
2: The street has undeniably suffered in numerous setbacks in recent years, and I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that bold action is required to get the street back on track.
3: At its best, our entertainment district completes the cultural fabric of this amazing city. It's impossible to overstate the importance of true human connection, whether sharing an experience around music, food, drink, visual art, or just walking a vibrant street alive with electricity and potential.
1: That potential will be gathered through public input, such as in-person tours or workshops, as well as online surveys on the city's website offered in various languages. And those findings will be presented to council in the fall or winter of 2024. Back to you, Chris.
0: Julie, thanks very much. It looks so calm and peaceful down there behind you right now. I know it's going to change over the next few hours here. Enjoy the evening. All right, it's another incentive to leave your car at home and take an e-bike instead the province launches a new incentive program handing out millions of dollars in rebates it's so popular it crashed the website how to qualify next on the news hour the technical glitch that had thousands of air passengers scrambling to change their plans coming up on the news hour right now though today is the first day of the bc government's rebate program for electric bikes and it's already proving to be very popular The government is putting $6 million into the program and it's predicted that money will go very fast. Aaron MacArthur reports. E-bikes boxed and ready to go.
8: Day one of the new rebate program and there are plenty of people putting down money for their new form of transportation. Reckless Bikes has been selling battery-assisted bikes for nearly two decades. Seeing the government make them more affordable is a win for consumers and for the bike shop.
6: I think
5: if you're lower income, it it would make a difference. Uh, The cost of ownership of an e-bike is very, very small compared to any other type of transportation.
8: The government announced last week a rebate program that will make e-bikes more affordable. People over 19 who have a net income of less than $39,000 a year can qualify for $1,400 in rebates on a $2,000 bike. As income goes up, the rebate goes down to just $350 for people taking home more than $51,000 a year. More than 1,600 applications were submitted in the first 30 minutes. Demand was so high, the website crashed. I, I don't think we underestimated it, but perhaps we need to work on our uh, technology infrastructure a little bit. Some have been critical of the income requirement, the means testing, is set considerably lower than for people buying zero emission vehicles.
1: I think it's really important. I really do. I think that they, they should provide it for everyone. The
8: government says the program will be reviewed. We're constantly reviewing these programs to ensure that they have the funds they need and that uh, they are accessible. The government set aside six million dollars for the program to help fund an estimated 9,000 purchases. But it appears the money might already be gone. As of now, if you try to apply on the government website, you're
0: put on a wait list. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Well, if you have to take the car, but you drive less than 10,000 kilometers per year, you're eligible to save money from ICBC. Drivers with policies effective today or later could save between 5 to 15 percent on their ICBC optional coverage. Drive less. Save more is how it works. ICBC says to get the discount, you need to provide a photo of your odometer reading the next time you renew or purchase a new ICBC policy. A renewed effort to protect an iconic species, celebrating Wild Salmon Day with new hopes to revive stocks across the province. Plus...
6: The biggest part of my success is I'm willing to share what has happened to me. The
0: inspiring journey of Indigenous entrepreneur Stephen Stark, who walked a long way back from childhood trauma to build a successful business. On this BC Salmon Day, there are renewed efforts to help save the iconic species. Millions of dollars spent to restore habitat and rehabilitate fish stocks. And as Paul Johnson reports, it will be First Nations leading the way. Salmon isn't just simply a menu choice for our people. It is who we are.
13: To put that statement into perspective, it's worth pointing out there are 100 First Nations communities who rely on Fraser River-bound wild salmon alone. Add in the rest of BC's rivers, and you understand why First Nations wanted to talk about their decline on BC Wild Salmon Day.
0: It is without question that the Pacific salmon of British Columbia are in dire straits.
13: One of the top concerns for the First Nation Wild Salmon Alliance is the presence of open-net fish farms in migration routes. Well, the federal government announced its intention to phase out such farms in places like the Discovery Islands. They want to ensure Ottawa keeps its promise and in a timely fashion. Though losing the farms costs BC jobs. In Surrey alone, hundreds of jobs are threatened in the businesses that support fish farms there. But wild salmon advocates say in the face of threats like climate change, we need to eliminate the threats we can directly control. We
11: also know that 86% of British Columbians rank Pacific salmon, saving them and protecting them as their top environmental concern.
13: At a news conference Thursday, the provincial government announced a new funding package of more than $17 million for First Nations and the Pacific Salmon Foundation. Some of that money will pay for habitat restoration projects, which scientists increasingly say are among the most effective things British Columbians can do now to preserve ...and enhance wild salmon.
12: Our government understands wild salmon are a foundation species... ...and for too long, governments have ignored their decline... ...and the cascading effects that this has had on animals and people across the coast.
0: Paul Johnson, Global News. June is National Indigenous History Month... ...and tonight, the inspiring story of a successful business leader... ...who overcame huge odds and a crushing addiction... ...to start not one, but several successful companies... Stephen Stark has a superhero name, and it took incredible strength for him to overcome the trauma of an abusive childhood. I met up with the award-winning entrepreneur to find out how his First Nations culture helps him thrive. It's been a wild ride for Stephen Stark, owner of Tawasson Shuttles Incorporated.
6: Well, this is our very first school bus that we ended up getting.
0: His fleet of buses carries hundreds of schoolchildren and workers all over the lower mainland from Tawasson First Nation. It's allowed him to build his Ocean View dream home here. But he wasn't always this connected to his community. Life started
6: rough. Stark was born legally deaf. I had to undergo reconstructive eardrum surgery when I was in grade four. And that was the first time I was able to hear clearly, finally. And uh, it put me well behind all my peers in reading and writing and social skills. Stark survived physical and sexual abuse. His family moved
0: all over North America while his stepfather chased gold as a prospector.
6: I was displaced every single time and, and, you know, kind of de-inflated. And so I was getting into more and more trouble. I was being more defiant and uh, lashing out more. Eventually, his parents
0: kicked him out of the house in Colorado at the age of 15. And with a one-way bus ticket back to Vancouver, Stark met his birth father, an alcoholic and
6: drug user. I knew I was Indigenous, but I just didn't know where from. And then I moved here shortly after meeting him and Within a few weeks, I was smoking crack with him.
0: For four years, Stark lived on the street and eventually ended up back on Tawasson lands at a one-time drug house that we've agreed not to show because it can be triggering for others who suffered here. It's just down the road from his home, a constant reminder of what he had to
6: overcome. I'd smoke crack every single day for two years straight, uh, waiting for, waiting to die. The turning point
0: came when his cousin intervened
6: and dropped him off at group therapy. I broke down. I started crying in a meeting one day and I said, you know, either the creator was going to give me a chance or, or I got to go back to what I know. At that meeting was Tawasin chief Ken Baird, a man stark credits with saving his life. As long as you live with me, he said, uh, give me $200 uh, a month for food help me with chores with the kids, help me around the house when I tell you, and as long as you live here, he said go to two meetings every day. The two started
0: crabbing together, the first real entrepreneurial effort for Stark that allowed him to buy those first buses. Stark has been clean for 17 years, and in addition to the shuttle company, he owns a fleet of street sweepers and water trucks for irrigation and industrial uses. He's one of the largest employers for the Tawasin First Nation. Stark is a family man with four children and credits his First Nation roots for supporting him through recovery.
6: You know, the biggest part of my success is I'm willing to share what has happened to me. That I'm not ashamed about my sexual abuse that has happened, my physical abuse that has happened. that I know that perseverance overcomes everything if you want to keep moving forward. But you can't get help if you don't say it.
0: Stephen Sark is the subject of a documentary that's coming up as well, and I'll tweet out the link to more information on that after the program. More chaos for Air Canada passengers. I feel like I'm living out the song Hotel California. I can check in, but I can't check out. Why flights across the country were delayed or canceled today. Also, BC ferries make some big changes to give you more options to get to Vancouver Island, how it could improve safety and efficiency. Air Canada spent a lot of time in crisis mode today, dealing with countrywide delays and cancellations. The airline blames a technical issue that has now stabilized, but as Sarah often reports, the fallout continues. I feel like I'm living out the Song Hotel, California. I can check in, but I can't check out.
9: They
2: came for what they thought would be a short stay in Calgary, a family wedding, and what should be a Wednesday return home on Air Canada. But this was something they didn't plan
0: on. We've been bumped to three flights.
2: Even by the third flight, Mark Sarver has little certainty about flying or even boarding.
0: I thought I had everything set up.
11: I have email confirmation for a seat and everything. I'm here at the airport. I'm
14: being told I'm on standby.
2: Others were kept in limbo for hours on the tarmac.
14: Another 30 minutes passes. We get an update, no progress. starting to get hot in the plane.
2: Air Canada attributes the problem to challenges during upgrades of its communicator system used to communicate with aircraft and monitor operational performance. It's the same system that caused delays a week ago, but Air Canada says an unrelated issue. The question now, whether the delays qualify for compensation.
3: Between a delay of three to six hours, it's $400. Six to nine hours, it's $700. And over nine hours, it's $1,000. As
2: far as today, we've been (laughs) told. So
3: there's no compensation.
2: Passengers say they were told the delays were beyond the airline's control, disqualifying the need for payments. Air Canada tells Global News it deals with customers directly because each case is different, but the policy is to always abide by the requirements of air passenger protection rights. It also says it is offering a flexible policy those who wish to change their travel plans at no cost something passengers say was challenging
15: we try to call the 800 number
2: that's like they said they can't help us we have to show up to the airport so we're here about four hours before the flight trying to fix this up the ordeal leaving many wary carefully considering their future travel options
8: even Calgary is a beautiful place don't get me wrong
2: beautiful place but i really like to go back home sarah often global news
0: well, if you have plans to travel between Metro Vancouver and Central Vancouver Island this summer, BC Ferries wants you to consider going via Tawassan rather than Horseshoe Bay. Starting June 25th, a vessel is being moved from the Horseshoe Bay Departure Bay route to the Tawassan Duke Point route. BC Ferries says it's because the Tawassan terminal has a lot more capacity. Incentives are being offered to encourage travelers to pick the more southern route. Reservation space is being increased and more saver fares are being offered. Between June 25th and September 4th, only two B.C. ferries' vessels will run on the route between West Vancouver and Nanaimo. Vancouver Council has now approved suspending the city's indoor smoking ban for supervised consumption sites. According to the B.C. Coroner Service, inhalation is the most common method of drug use in situations where someone died from a fatal overdose. The BC Center for Excellence in HIV AIDS wants to set up six indoor inhalation booths at its supervised consumption site in an effort to save lives. The bylaw suspension will run as a two year pilot. Indoor inhalation services must also receive approval from Health Canada and meet WorkSafe BC requirements. Just ahead, the tough conditions exhausted firefighters are up against in Nova Scotia. In an unprecedented wildfire season, the new resources being brought in to help. Plus.
16: Now after the injury, I have a personal understanding of the impact of research.
0: The path back from brain injury. The student researcher moving mountains to help other patients just like him. Coming up later. from around the world are being brought in to help Nova Scotia's unusually quick start to wildfire season. The relief comes as teams near Halifax are entering their fifth full day of fighting a fire, which forced the evacuation of thousands of people.
14: There's only one word I've been using, and it's apocalyptic. A moment of reflection by crews as they enter day five of fighting a blaze near Halifax. Despite setting some containment lines, Thursday was expected to be tough with high temperatures, low humidity and quick winds moving around the
3: wildfire. Because we have this 50% does not mean we are out of the woods. We are still in a very dangerous situation. We're going to continue to monitor things. And if we have to knock things back on a containment percentage, then that's what we're going to do.
14: Tough conditions Thursday might be eased for Friday with rain in the forecast. And Mother Nature isn't the only one offering support. Help from the Canadian Armed Forces and fire crews from across the country as well as the U.S. and Costa Rica are expected to be on site shortly. We are stretched, but we are holding with regard to resources. Those resources coming to help as Nova Scotia is also fighting the largest wildfire in its history. Provincial officials say the blaze in Barrington Lake has reached around 200 square kilometres, which for context is nearly the size of Pickering, Ontario.
8: Eleven water bombers are hitting uh, the Shelburne and Barrington areas. Six more water bombers are on the way from Montana. Uh, firefighters are on the way from the United States. Firefighters are on the way from Costa Rica.
14: The additional boots on the ground are welcome news for Nova Scotia's premier as four fires remain out of control across the province. Ottawa says it responded to Nova Scotia's request for help immediately and the military personnel should be on the ground Thursday. But the emergency preparedness minister says the start of this fire season has been unprecedented, with 27,000 square kilometers already burned across the country. Bill Blair says almost every province and territory has dealt with fires as of June 1st.
15: But when every jurisdiction is facing challenges, and it's it's very it, you're absolutely right, it's very difficult for them to move their resources from their area, knowing that they could need them in a, at a moment's notice.
14: Ottawa says about 200 firefighters from South Africa are being deployed in Alberta as that province is dealing with about five dozen active wildfires. Kyle Benning, Global News.
0: Seems like both coasts experiencing some of those uh, warm, even hot extremes. Christy?
14: Yeah, you
12: know, the Environment Canada stats just came out today, and we've been talking about how dry it was through the month of May, but what was actually most interesting with the stats that came out was how hot it was. Look at this. So these are the ranks in terms of the record heat. So all the ones you see here indicate that it was the Uh, sorry, warmest May on record. Vancouver was the second warmest May on record, and even along the north coast, it was within the top 10. That's quite exceptional indeed, and we know that that heat was experienced through Alberta, Saskatchewan as well, so really all of western Canada, very hot. Looking at the drought, I mean, we've been talking about the fact that we have a precipitation deficit for months now. We have right through the last year, basically. May was no different. Majority of BC was drier than normal, just highlighting a few. And Smithers ranked fifth driest. And Vancouver, even with only our 16 millimeters of rain, we ranked as the ninth driest on record. It was really the heat that was more exceptional. Nonetheless, we're going to see heat once again. So, over the weekend, and particularly next week, we're talking about 30 degree weather uh, as we, uh, for areas away from the water. And this is not necessarily, that could be approaching record heat, but it's a good five to 10 degrees above seasonal. And that will be the case in through the interior regions. We're talking about low to mid 30s quick heads up we do have a risk of thunderstorms from the north coast region through the central interior and along the eastern side the rocky mountain regions for tomorrow otherwise you can expect it to be hot it's just a few isolated showers or thunderstorms uh, for the north coast region though you are expecting a few showers but look at that 29 degrees for Kamloops we're expecting 21 in Nanaimo we are going to see temperatures climb as we head into the weekend but the real heat will be experienced Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday of next week. Tonight's central window's weather window I absolutely love. Courtney sent us this. This is Henry and Lewis, and it was their first day of strawberry picking. She's quite excited, and so are they. Look at the little guy's uh, mouth, all covered in strawberries there.
0: (laughs) Red lips and cheeks for sure from strawberry juice. (laughs) All right. uh, Thanks very much, Christy. Barry's in for Squire tonight, uh, and some football action going on tonight, Barry.
5: Yeah. BC Place. uh, Still time to get down to the dome. The Lions playing their final preseason game, and also uh, last night at the dome, it didn't end very well for the Whitecaps. But it was a rough, or it did end well, but it was a rough start for Benny Sartini's team.
15: Maybe we were the Black Caps in the first half and the Whitecaps in the second half. I don't
5: know. It was the worst of times, then it was the best of times. A look back at the Whitecaps' 6-2 pasting of Houston. Look forward to that. Thanks, Barry. Also coming
0: up.
16: It's worthwhile to prevent others from going going through what I've been through, I think.
0: A longboarding accident left him with a traumatic brain injury. How he's battling back to help others. Next. All right, Barry's got sports ready to go, and uh, CFL season's coming up quick.
5: Yeah, it is, just a week away, and they'll be playing for keeps. But Mm -hmm. still, uh, thanks, Chris. One more final tune-up tonight for the Lions at B.C. Place against the Stampeders, 7.30 start. So uh, still some time to get over there if you're in town. Vernon Adams Jr. will get the start at quarterback tonight, and he'll start the season opener next week in Calgary. But if Adams has problems, there are capable replacements waiting their turn on the sidelines.
15: We all know the BC Lions are Vernon Adams team, but who follows him into battle as the Lions backup quarterback remains the ongoing question. Adams with a full offseason under his belt to fully absorb a Lions playbook that he basically flipped through after being acquired midseason last year. Same for his QB understudies, Dane Evans and Dominic Davis. And what's unique about this quarterbacking trio is all three have started in the CFL. They're new to us and they're new to our system, but they're not new to the CFL. Um, So they're able to relate our concepts um, back to the things that they've done in the past, kind of things like that. So to have that experience in an 18-game season, um, that's encouraging.
16: Hey, it's a great day to have a great day. You feel me? Yes, sir. What
15: the Lions are feeling is that they're very secure at the quarterback position, having both Davis and Evans around. Davis is the better runner as he was used by the Montreal Alouettes last season primarily as a short yardage specialist. Evans started 13 games for Hamilton throwing for just shy of 4,000 yards. So consider the Lions pocket insurance policy up to date
16: and ready to be called upon if needed. Absolutely. I'm a competitor. I want to compete at the highest level. Of course, I want to be a starter as well uh, and I'm going to keep, uh, continue to strive for that. Uh, that's a goal of mine. That's a, that's what I want to get back to. Um, Again, I I have a lot to prove and I got a chip on my shoulder as well to show, you know, people and myself that I can be uh, one of the best quarterbacks in this league.
14: Um, I think we're just guys that have been products of where we've been in the past and done what we've been asked to do. And I think people have asked us to do different things. And I think here we're kind of asked to all do the same thing. So I think it'll look more like similar and not so much like this guy does this because this guy does this and this guy does that. Um, I think we all carry ourselves as starters. Um, we all definitely understand and respect, though, that V.A.
15: is the guy. Vernon Adams and the B.C. Lions open up the regular season next Thursday on the road in Calgary. Jay Januar, Global Sports.
5: Well, the Whitecaps were celebrating a lot last night, six times to be exact, in their 6-2 thrashing of the Houston Dynamo. It's a win that moves them up to sixth place in the West. is not all sunshine and rainbows. The Whitecaps actually played terribly the first 45 minutes before flipping the script in the second half.
0: Caicedo rolling it in for Burhalter, across goal. Six goals on the night for Vancouver.
5: The six goals are a Whitecaps record for a single MLS game, and a 6 2 win sounds pretty impressive. But Vanni Sartini had big issues on how his team played in the first half. I think it was our worst performance of the season, to be honest.
15: There was a lot of effort, but there was no brain in what we were doing. And uh, that was uh, painful. To watch. You know, it's
5: the defensive breakdowns were glaring, and if not for some spectacular saves from Yohei Takaoka, the Caps would have trailed. But Vani read his team the riot act at halftime, and they responded with one of their best halves of the season, scoring four unanswered goals. And in the second half, actually, it was
15: a completely different team. So maybe we were the Black Caps in the first half and the White Caps in the second half. I don't know.
5: The White Caps also had a lot of firsts in this game. They scored inside the first 15 seconds of each half. First time they've ever done that. And Sebastian Berhalter had his first ever MLS goal and a first-time wild celebration to match.
15: Oh man, I was getting beat in that pile. Holy crap. I think my neck's still red. Honestly, I just first I was like super happy, and then like five seconds pass, and I just realized I was getting killed in there. I was like, "What is going on right now?" Uh, but no, I was super happy, and to see them happy was, was really cool.
5: Well, the Maple Leafs have a new general manager. He's former Flames GM Brad Trelibbing. Trelibbing takes over for Kyle Dubas, who also found a new job today. He is the Pittsburgh Penguins' new president of hockey operations. French Open second round. Bianca Andrescu taking on American Emma Navarro. Bianca the only Canadian woman left in singles after Leila Fernandez lost yesterday. And Bianca got off to a great start, raced out 4-11 in the first set. And then on set point, another crushing winner to the corner. Just 25 minutes for Andrescu to take the opening set. 6-1 second set bit more of a challenge was down 4-2 but reeled off the last four games including that wonderful drop shot she's got all the shots and when she plays like that she's dangerous onto the third round 6-1-6-4 and at the memorial cup in Kamloops the blazers playing a tiebreaker game against peterborough 1-1 in the first at last glance
0: i think i can hear mark madriga cheering yeah well he's, he's a big
5: blazer fan big blazer.
0: all right thanks very much barry up next living through a brain injury gives a young researcher great insight into treating others. Stick around. This program is brought to you by Johnston Meyer Insurance Agencies Group. Visit jmins.com. Jordan Armstrong's on the night beat and has a preview of what's coming up on Global News at 11. Jordan.
3: And hey Chris, it's shaping up to be a busy night. We're tracking two breaking stories tonight. Much of East Hastings Street is closed right now. It's closed at least from Carroll to Gore. As you can see, lots of police there. They're investigating multiple serious assaults. Witnesses say they heard gunfire. There are also reports of a stabbing. In any situation, it's chaotic. We have crews on scene, the latest at 11. Also, we're hearing that Highway 3 east of Cranbrook is expected to reopen soon. It's been closed since this morning following a deadly crash involving a logging truck and two smaller vehicles. We still don't know how many people were killed or what caused the crash, but we're watching that story too. The latest at 11. Chris.
0: All right, thanks very much, Jordan. Now, a UBC graduate who nearly lost his life in a serious crash two years ago Is going to Stanford University to research the very thing that nearly killed him. Yi Yi Du still suffers from traumatic brain injury after being in a coma for two months, but he defied all the odds. Jennifer Palmer reports.
9: 24 year old Yi Yi Du is learning how to play the violin. But it's not why you might think. He's doing it to strengthen and retrain the left side of his body.
16: You cannot choose what happens to you. You can choose what you respond.
9: Dew suffered a traumatic brain injury, or a TBI. Before his injury, he was a lifeguard, avid hiker, cyclist, runner, and enjoyed sea kayaking. But in September of 2021, that was all stripped away. He was longboarding at UBC without a helmet, when he and a vehicle collided, he was left in a coma for two months. Bow. The injury pushing him into grueling physiotherapy to regain his balance and control over his body. He also has double vision and an impacted memory, due drawing strength from his mom to stay motivated.
16: Surround yourself with a good support network. For example, my mom helped me a lot. I'm um, both in academically and in my everyday life.
9: At UBC, Du focused on mechanical engineering, wanting to work on rockets. But in his second year, he shifted to a biomedical focus.
16: Ironically, my undergraduate research is specifically focused on traumatic brain injury. And from the accident, all my injuries was only two in the brink
9: yeah, Through the pain and frustration, Du did what seemed impossible. He, he graduated from UBC.
16: I did not think I would be here today. Even this start of this January, I did not think I would be able to finish my degree
9: do's next chapter to help others with brain injuries he's off to stanford to get a phd and design medical products
16: i know that this change will be significant but it will also impact a lot of people if i do always my research
9: jennifer palma global news
0: good luck in recovery all right barry is here um
5: what a weekend. We got Don't we have the NBA Finals tonight, too? NBA Finals uh, just actually started underway tonight. Detroit and uh, Miami. Or not Detroit and Miami. Denver and Miami. And Denver's leading pretty big. So they have Canadian Jamal Murray on their team. they got big uh, Nikola Jokic. And uh, they're proven to be pretty tough for Miami. So, uh, actually, Asa Raymond's got uh, sports tonight. He's got the Lions preseason game. And I think he's going to show some of that. And the Blazers are up 3-1 now. And that, those cheers oh. were from Madriga in the back room as his voice carries. Cheering them on <laughs> to
0: victory. All right. Thanks very much, Barry. Good to see you. And thanks very much, uh, everyone at home, for watching tonight. Hope you have a great night.